every day I'm hustling, hustling. This is an operation to really optimize life. A bunch of dedicated human beings breaking down the latest life hacks from experts around the world and sharing it with you. Come and find your truth. This is Hustle and Flow, and I'm Kevin Namvar. Welcome to episode two of the Hustle and Flow podcast. On this episode, I'd like to welcome a good friend of mine, Mr. John Bauer. Uh, he's a good friend that I really should see a little bit more of, but you know how it is. We're both busy hustling out there and trying to find the time to really uh, sit down and do those more chilled out sessions. Uh, it's hard to come by. So on this occasion, we've set out uh, an hour or so to discuss uh, John's exciting journey, to be fair. Uh, he's got a lot of experience working for startup companies and some high profile projects. Uh, so yeah, he's going to share a little bit of his knowledge uh, in all things marketing and digital and some of his personal goals and achievements so guys stay tuned and enjoy the podcast right my man big john in the house how's it going <laughs> it's going all good big mate john. <laughs> big we're, gonna, john. we're gonna have to explain big john we can't just well but we'll leave it till right at the end of the podcast <laughs> okay stay tuned <laughs> how's it going mate all good yeah yeah really good good really day good. yeah yeah it's been a really it's been extremely hot today Mm. um i've been very fortunate i can work from home today so that's been great um i've been able to sit outside under an umbrella in my garden on my laptop doing some work taking some calls it's been a very relaxing day not like the usual mm -hmm. uh usually going up to london um but yeah it's been fantastic i just a beautifully hot day Hottest day of the year so far, isn't is it? it? Really? Is it? Yeah, I think it hit yeah. about thirty degrees. See, well, no, see, you say this, but I looked online, and I, I, I don't have a, I don't have a thermometer outside or, or anything to actually measure the temperature. But everywhere I was looking online, it only seemed like it was twenty six or twenty eight. Mm. It definitely felt hotter than that. Well, the thermometer in the front room said twenty seven, and that's really? cooler than it was outside. So, it's it had to be in the thirties. I mean. I felt like I was on holiday walking around earlier doing the school run. I was just like, man, this is scorching. But at least you didn't have to do the commute today. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. What I, what I ended up doing instead, I, I got up and um, convinced myself that I needed to get, uh, go out for a run. Um, something that I've picked up doing fairly recently uh, mm -hmm. and tried to keep up. And I got two and a half miles in and... Uh, everything was wet i was just like i just have to stop this is just ridiculous it must be beyond 20 degrees right now um so i turned off the tracking thing tracking app that i use yeah i've got a couple of apps on the go at the moment that i want to touch on because i think that, that, that they're quite interesting but um yeah so I, t I turned it off but i did still run the rest of it home i just had to have a break for a minute i was, yeah. just, I was just overheating you didn't want your stats to drop on the app yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Fin finish on a high wait a bit and then just jog it back because i do keep seeing the notifications coming up because we've got a group obviously yeah and it's like john bauer just completed the run john yeah. bauer just completed the run so how has the running been going since you've done the half marathon it's it's really interesting um i the, the half the half marathon was my first half marathon first event of that kind since maybe when i played badminton when i was like 13 uh -huh. um haven't taken part in any sort of sports event so it was quite weird going along on the day um but it's completely different to running for yourself um i got challenged the reason i did the, the half marathon 
I got challenged by a friend of mine seven weeks out to do it. I had no did no regime for running at all. Had run in the past a bit, but not really. Mm. And like years ago, um, and it was it was I, I was just up for the challenge. Seven weeks later, there on the start line, you know what what I realised was uh, as you continue to push through the training um, that no goal is insurmountable. You just have to be prepared for it, right? And and what I did was we we together, me and my running partner Darren, we reverse engineered those seven weeks and said, okay, in order to get to thirteen miles on that week, how do we get? You know, we do ten ten miles the weekend before, five miles the weekend before that, or whatever. Um, and what we did was we we very quickly put together a list of milestones that we wanted to hit and when we wanted to hit them, and uh, just did it, you know, and then just put in the effort to sort of get there. It's been completely different since then. Uh, the running has progressed from, I, I, I reached that goal. I did the half marathon. I did it in under the time that I wanted to do. I was aiming for less than 10 minutes a mile mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm not kidding myself. Um, and I came in at two hours and four minutes, which is six minutes short of that, I think. So that was really good. <laughs> I was really pleased. It's a tough run though, man, in Hastings, because it's just like, I know there's downhill parts, but the uphill parts are just an absolute killer, aren't they? Now, see, I, I have nothing to reference it against, yeah. right? So, yes, it was tough, mm-hmm. and um, but we had been running in Hastings, so it wasn't like we weren't... We did do the complete route beforehand, just not all in one go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I did know what that was. I think that was a very important part about getting through it, was knowing what to expect at certain points. Um, and even though I hadn't done the whole route, like working through those bits was really interesting. Uh, I'm talking about it's like it's some like really epic race that I've done. It's it not, is, it's man. Not, it's not at it all. Is. It's not. It is, man. Once you get through it, way, way, way more than that. <laughs> now I understand how they do it. Yeah. Like I got a taste for how they go about doing it, and I can see now that a marathon's not unachievable. I always just thought that there was two kinds of people. There was people that could do it, people like me that couldn't. Um, it was only by actually starting and giving it a go that you realise you can actually do it which was quite good fun but as i say the running now is just it's a completely different game um it's much more about keeping up a habit um being consistent with something um i've, I've got a goal of sort of between 12 and 15 miles a week it doesn't matter how i do it that's i just want to get i can either do a 15 mile run or i can do a series of shorter runs mm-hmm. um and it's more about i guess taking control because i let work run away with me quite a lot um and you know I'm, I'm I'm quite involved in what I do and uh you know it's it's quite time consuming with the commute and working you know a, a full week up in London um and only having the weekend to do everything else like it can consume you mm-hmm. um so actually by forcing myself to go out for a run at lunch um and to trying to make the most of a bit of time at the weekends it's actually taking back a bit of control of my sort of routine um, and just doing something to like feel good about yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is, it's so important because when you've got something to compare with, like you say, yeah, really pushing your body to a level that it just didn't really understand was there. And, you know, getting a two-mile run in, three, four, five-mile run in, and then you're like really, it's, you know, it, it, it kind of seems easy now, but when you first do it, it's absolute hell. You know, and you're like, oh, it's still hell. How, <laughs> I'm not out of the hell phase even now. Yeah. How but. am I going to get get through like a long run? You know, and um, but still like having those episodes throughout the week, and you know, getting those, uh, get, getting your brain releasing those chemicals on a daily basis, 
it it makes a big difference. Um, so obviously, like the running started a few months ago for you. Yeah. Uh, how now, like now with your routine of running like daily or every other day, how do you find that uh, relates to everything else, like work, uh, how you feel generally, you know? Hmm. Um, it's really, it, it, there's two sides to it, right? So the running at the weekend um, is the thing that gives me the most satisfaction because I push for longer runs at the weekends. I mean, I'm only talking five miles. It's not, it's, anyone could pretty much get up and do it. It's still not like in the realms of running. It's not doing mm. half a half marathon each weekend, but between five and eight miles, maybe 10 miles if I'm really pushing it on some weekends, that's where I get the great satisfaction because it's like, I'm going to set a thing. I'm going to spend an hour doing it. I'm going to get there and I'm done. Then I can walk away. And if nothing else this weekend, I've done 10 miles or I've done five miles or whatever. Running in the week, because I have to run, I travel for two and a half hours to get from my home to work. I'm at work for eight hours, nine hours, and then two and a half hours home. Squeezing in half an hour in the middle of the day is like hitting a reset button. Um, as I say, you know, my work is quite involved, but it involves sitting at a laptop in an office um, and quite often spending the whole day on that laptop. So actually taking a break and just getting outside, what a lot of people do when they go and walk and get their lunch, you know, having a couple of runs a week, it it allows me to sort of break up the day mm-hmm. with something else and actually break up the week because it can be quite monotonous. You know, you're on a train, you're in the office, have some food, you're in the office again, back on the train, go to bed, <laughs> repeat, repeat. It can get quite... Luckily, my job, I absolutely love and there's a lot of variety and uh anyone that talks to me i think knows a lot about a lot of the things that i'm doing but doesn't really know what i do um and that's because i get very excited about all the little things that i do and it's very hard to articulate sometimes like quite what my job involves yeah there's quite a lot of moving parts um quite yeah, i'm still of, trying to figure it out yeah <laughs> quite a lot of spinning <laughs> plates um so having that time just focusing on running and just it's it's almost I mean it, I tried meditation and stuff, but on and, and doing that on the train, but that wasn't really for me. Um, this is as close to that that I think I'm. This is like a different form of of that same practice of just focusing on one thing and just doing that for a bit. And the beauty of running at the office is that I can basically run for as as far as I want, and then I just have to turn around and go back. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you, you run as far as you can push yourself and then you just do the same journey back. So there isn't a point where you can sort of get out early. The only thing you can do is turn around earlier than you want to. Yeah. But if you set a goal, so I like where my office is on the South Bank, I can run past the Tate Modern, get to Tower Bridge, turn around and come back. And that's just just over five miles, uh, three miles, sorry, 3.2 miles or something. Um, that's my perfect distance half an hour 45 minutes something like that like if i'm taking it slow 45 if i'm pushing myself half an hour um because we got a shower at work you know it's 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 really good i have no there's nowhere to jump off early um because if i do i'm late for work (laughs) you know and i'm and i then have to work into my evenings and um it's it's not that i'm being looked upon at work and, and and they're not sort of checking up on me saying where's john because i'm still well within my allotted lunch hour but um it just means that i can't then carry on and the whole point is i'm putting that in to refocus me 
Um, but when you're just running, I don't know, it's a hard feeling to be. It's hard to explain to people that don't haven't done it. Yeah. I don't know if you get this, but uh, when I go for runs, uh, you know, I go on and off running. Yeah. But when I go for runs, I'll be like, okay, cool. This is the distance I'm going to do. You start running, you start getting into it. You, you break the first wall. Yeah. You might start breaking the second wall and then you're like, I'll just stop it. That'll do. You yeah. know, if I if I take the short route back, it's all right. I've achieved. I've achieved. But then there's this other voice in the back of the head that's like, "No, you can't quit." Yeah. Like, do you know how you're going to feel about yourself if you yeah. quit now? Yeah. Like, and it's about what I've what I've found in the training is like on the days that you don't want to do it, and and the first voice is talking loudest. Those are the days that you've got to do it. All right, because it's the only way to keep the habit up. Mm-hmm. Is is the day that you say, "Ah, oh, no, I won't, I won't do it today." That's when you've got to take 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 it by the reins and actually go for it. Yeah. And it's the same thing when you're out on the run, like this morning, right? If I hadn't have been absolutely baking in the heat, I would have carried on and pushed myself through it and not stopped for a bit. I think it was the right decision. I was like exhausted from last night as well. I didn't really give myself enough chance to wake up. But the one I did the weekend was a five miler, and there is just a, just after three miles, there's a shortcut home. I can get there and it's still three miles. And that's, for me, that's a respectable run. I'm happy with that. But every time I've got to that corner and I've caught myself on the way up to it thinking, yeah, just turn left, just turn left. I've gone, right, you've got to do the full five miles now. <laughs> right, And it's like, it's a form of punishment, I guess. But it's like, go and go and do it. Like, yeah. You haven't come out here to do three miles. You've come out here to do five. It's right. funny. It's funny. And it's funny because uh, I, I generally don't do kind of... Uh, sort of a solo workouts right. uh, generally like most of the martial arts that I do is you know there's no way you can't cut it short because you're in a group environment you know there's no way in hell like anyone's going to get up and be like oh that'll do halfway through yeah because you particularly like, be every, sparring yeah right? well yeah <laughs> and then when you're sparring it's kind of like you're fighting for your life <laughs> so, so, you, so you're not really going to go Oh, I'll just I'll just stop now. It's fine. I'll, I'll just do half. <laughs> you know, there's just no way. And and there are certain people that I've spotted who are just kind of like who who sit out maybe sometimes. But you kind of you beat yourself up. Yeah. Like when you do things like that, and you kind of like when you're running and you kind of think about that. Oh, I'll just do the free today. You know you're going to beat yourself up yeah. when you get home and be like, yeah. "You're such a muppet." Because you should have just done 10 minutes. the other it's only ten, another fifteen minutes. Yeah, another ten, it's fifteen nothing. minutes. Like you're still going to feel the same when you sit. That's the other thing I realised. I don't feel more tired yeah. after an eight mile run than I do after a three mm. mile. It's not like I sit down and go, "Oh, you know, I'm fucking exhausted." Like I feel the same. I feel good. Yeah, you know, actually, yes, all you you're feel doing, better. Yeah, you actually feel better yeah, when you exactly. do the harder workout. It's yeah. more satisfying. You give yourself a harder pat on the back. Yeah, and all in all. It, it just proves that it it is so easy and so appealing sometimes just to cut stuff short. And that's not just with exercise, it's with work, yeah. it's with, you know, relationships. There's always this appealing, almost like trick. Life's trying to play a trick on you. It's like, yeah, yeah, nah, that'll do. That'll do. That's enough. That's plenty. But just that little, you've got yeah, to realise it's a John. bluff. <laughs> you've got to realise it's a bluff. How do you, John? Go and sit down now. <laughs> Have some cake. So, 
So that, and that's interesting because that crosses over and I experience that all the time. I experience it because like once you start becoming wise to it, you're kind of like, oh, I know what that is. Yeah. And, um, and it still, it still trips me up, you know, luckily like on the less severe things in life, but, um, but it's funny how that crosses over to work ethic yeah. because it, it's not just exercise. Now we can cross it over and be like, okay, cool. Um, you know, your, your career, you, you know, you work in the city, mm-hmm. uh, kind of, you're yeah. in, well, most of the time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's a high pressure environment. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that, cause obviously I experience things like this and I work from home, I work for myself, but I'm sure that you experience exactly the same things being in a high pressure environment, um, of having, you could, you could, you've always got the opportunity to cop out and do half mm-hmm. a job, mm-hmm. but it's that mindset that carries you through. Like, um, tell me a like, like, little bit about what what the work environment's like and kind of like what your tasks are like at the moment. Okay. Um, so, I am the chief product officer of a company called You're Welcome. Um, we build tablets that go into uh, short term rental accommodation. So, um, if you were hiring an Airbnb. Uh, you know, to go and stay in for a, a city break, or like we did, um, or if you are, uh, you know, perhaps you're, you're you you work for a, a larger business, um, like a, like a Google or whatever, and uh, the company books accommodation for you to stay in, or you could be a contractor working on the road, um, you know, working working doing some road works, um, and they they uh, quite a lot of these companies will put them up in sort of short term accommodation, um, and the device is designed to uh, give them all the information they need about the property, how to operate all of the, like, the dishwasher, um, how to lock the doors, what to do with the bins, that sort of stuff. There's video guides and stuff that the people can put on there. It's quite a, it's quite a, a it's, there's nothing new about it. It's just a combination of a lot of things that people expect nowadays. Um, and we're the first mover in a space. So there isn't a competing product. So, it's quite complex. There's a lot of moving parts. My job as the chief product officer is to think about all of those things, work out in what priority we need to focus on making improvements, adding new features. Um, at the same time, um, I'm head of our support. Um, so I'm on the front line dealing with issues that customers are having, which obviously gives me a really good knowledge about what the product needs and what priority order we should be focusing on new stuff and whether we're even looking at new stuff. Um, and then there is just the, the 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 whole other part of the job is just being part of a very small company. Um, there's 12 people in our company at the moment, and it's you can imagine that you know I've have done quite a lot of different roles outside of the things that I've just talked about as well. Um, and it's kind of whatever the company needs you to do when you're working in a startup environment. Um, you're, you're all sort of pitching in and crossing over and, and, and doing things that are outside of the role that you are specified to. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's one of these things like I have had to do exactly the same thing that I do with running, which is reverse engineering, how to make the most impact um, and take all of those tasks and sort of break them down. And really um, the last I don't know, five or six months of taking on this newer role um, as the chief product officer is it, it, it has been about trying to work out what the core of an issue is um, and work out the the quickest and, and uh, best way 
of solving that problem. Um, and that relates so, you know, it's, it's like all these things have just joined up recently in my head. All of these dots have just joined up, like doing the running. I can see exactly how it translates to my role. Um, because as I say, so when we, when we are considering a new feature in the app on the tablet, um, the first thing that we do is try and work out what the actual problem is, right? And now I'm going to say a little phrase that I've been saying a lot to myself recently because I think it, it, it illustrates the point. And, and I think what you'll like about it is that I said to you earlier that I think I'm becoming Gary Vaynerchuk through <laughs> all of the videos that I've seen. What I do when I'm tr trying to fix a problem is not treat the symptoms, but treat the cause. I think what a lot of people do um, and a lot of people make the mistake of doing is looking at, oh, there's a problem here. Let's just make it right for the customer as opposed to working out what went wrong to cause that problem to happen. Um, because if you can cut problems off at the bud, you know, it's much easier to deal with them. <laughs> um, and that's the approach that I take to every single new feature or improvement that we're looking to add to the app. So that's kind of what I do. Um, I, I'm not very good at explaining it, I don't think, because there's so much going on because that, but that's yeah, what I sounds think. like it, yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's one of these things, I don't really need you to know what I do. Um, I'm just sort of getting on with it. Mm. And that's what we talked about earlier. It's like, I, don't, I've, I, I used to be one of these people that, I'm not going to say that I was like a gullible, like mug that would just watch videos online and be like, oh yeah, I can be the best. You know, if I just believe I can be the best, I can be the best or... Um, Gary Vaynerchuk is very famous for like his whole, like, you know, you just got to work, you got to hustle, you got to just get it done. He's got the hustle rants on point, but, isn't he? <laughs> but, but he says to them, he, he looks down the, the lens of the camera and says, you know, stop watching this video and go and do the work. Well, I feel like I'm in a job now where I'm enjoying myself so much. It seems silly to put any thought onto any other, like, as we said to you earlier, as I said to you earlier, as we were discussing, um, I'm very keen to get new projects off the ground. I get very excited by a new project. I know you do too, because we've been through lots together. Um, like things that have got somewhere and things that we've just talked about. Yeah. Um, but what I what I did, and, and, and this, I think this is where the running sort of, this is where it translates to running quite quickly, is, is um, I, I, I kind of just said to myself, you've just got to double down. Every time you've got that new energy, take that new energy and put it into what you're already doing. Like taking on the role of a chief product officer is is the opportunity to focus on doing. I, I, as I said again, um, I've spent my whole career thinking if I had the perfect job, I would be able to do this, 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 and this at the same time. Um, what I've realised is when you're onto a good thing and you're working for a company that you want to be part of, um, the best thing to do is just double down and just get more involved. Um, and try and make more of an impact. But you've, you've, you've seen this, you've seen this recently. You've just started, you've, you've, you've kind of started a new venture. You were so involved in something for so such a long time and it, it consumed such a big part of your life. When you set that free, how did it feel when you started to get your teeth into some new projects? Yeah. So obviously, uh, that, that previous big project was quite, quite different to what I do now. Mm. And, you know, it was a Com lot completely of different you know, completely different industry. It was like a real face-to-face -face kind of business where you were dealing with hundreds, hundreds of people a week, you know, and um, 
the environment was quite crazy at, at times, you know, you know, party kind of like environment and people just like completely off their faces at the weekend. And it was, yeah, it, it kind of took its toll. But the reason why it worked was because I had to become the business. Yeah. Like, you know, I had to become the teapot. <laughs> uh, but yeah, pretty much like that's that's what it comes down to is like you kind of you could you could go all in yeah and actually be part of like be part like a moving part in the business so it kind of consumes you yeah and uh, and then you can really get in and tune things up and apply 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 Whereas, and it's, and it's building that energy up as well. So you're, you're thriving off the results and then you're feeding it back into the business again. Right. And it's the same with the money. You're making profits and then you're putting it back into the business. You're taking a percentage, putting it back into the business. So it's just this, this process of uh, evolution where it's like recycling energy. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? It just keeps going around in a circle until you basically run out, which I nearly did because I was picking up bad habits on the way and... Uh, doing things that um, weren't contributing towards, uh, you know, further success and then I had to kind of like cap that all off and then get right. back into the groove. Right. But now uh, being in a completely different environment, I generally like work alone a lot of the time, especially like when I'm editing and stuff like that. Right. Uh, but the times when I am out and about on the field uh, filming and, uh, you know, having meetings and going through data and bits like that. Um, I kind of use those opportunities as like feeding off like uh, my clients, you know, yeah. feed off of them, yeah. then regurgitate that and then feed it back to them, come back here, uh, you know, whatever ideas I may have, I, I pump it into the projects, pump it, pump it. And then I look forward to the next time I meet the person because it's evolved. Yeah everything's evolved there's um there's actually uh some reality behind it now rather yeah. than just the idea i can actually present like look at this look at this look at and where my work's quite visual uh people can see in black and white oh wow like now i can see like what we were talking about and it's materialized so i like i like the part where something materializes and it works and other people you can see the satisfaction that they're getting from it you know, that really kind of like feeds the energy back into the system again is that right. reaction that people yeah. give you. They're like, wow. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's, there's something really addictive about seeing a return on an investment. Oh, a million percent, man. A million there's, percent. I mean, um, what I was going to talk about with the the, the running and, and relating it to work again um, kind of feeds off that, which is the way that I, I, I've been doing the running and you, you, kind of alluded to it is i've been recording it all on on an app um, and what that allows me to do is gather data about what i'm doing now i was never a data nerd i'm not someone that has grown up in spreadsheets um, but working out how to capture relevant data and then analyze it and then work out what your best step forward is has become a real part of it's just become a real um it's become more than something i do in in, in business it is uh, what I'm doing in life now um, is is trying to capture as much data about particular situations, things that I want to change 
um, and then using that data to make an informed decision. So like with the running, uh, it, it captures how long I'm taking to do the run, how far I'm actually running, the calories that I've burnt off. Um, I use RunKeeper for that because that's what my running friends were using when we did the half marathon. I've just sort of stuck with it. Um, I've also got, is it my fitness pal or whatever to log food throughout the day? Um, because that's something that I struggle with, mm-hmm. uh, is eating a lot. Um, and then I've also recently, uh, looked at an app called zero, which is, um, fasting. Okay. Um, now it's not sort of like the, the, the five, two diet or whatever, where you're doing like break fasting at, at, at weekends. It is, um, it's the circadian rhythm thing It's only eating when the sun's up. Right. Um, and fasting overnight and giving your body chance to sort of stop. <laughs> um, and, and, and the combination of those three things, all of those apps are essentially tracking data um, and allowing me to make an informed decision. Like there's nothing, there's nothing that will stop you stuffing your face full of food than a list of the food that you've already eaten that day or the list of the food that you ate yesterday. Um, now today I'm already like a thousand calories over, but I was like, well, fuck it. I went for a run. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's not something that I'm religious about. I'm not completely anal about like making sure that I only have 2090 calories or whatever it says every day. Um, I don't care if I go over or under, it's actually more about, I'm, I'm more interested in the bigger picture, um, and actually looking at it and saying, okay, over a month or over three months, what am I doing? What are the habits that I'm noticing? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's not something that I, I sit down and look at very often. It's actually about just having the tools in place to capture it so that when I do want to have a look, I've captured all the data to have a look at it. That's something that we do at work. I guess like falling into, because I've, I've pushed hard in my career to get to this point. I think I've really pushed for promotion after promotion to sort of get to a point where I've got responsibility, accountability, um, it's a challenging role and I'm doing a lot of different things. Um, and the only way that I can stay on top of the plethora of tasks that I've got going on at any one time is to have a really good idea of what the broader picture is, um, what the business needs are, um, the things that, that are reliant on other people, the tasks that I'm doing that if I do five minutes work now, it will save them four hours down the line because they'll be able to get on with the task and get it in before the weekend or stuff like there's so much to consider that actually having a broad understanding of how it all sort of slots together. Um, that's the only way that you can do it. It's the only way that you can do it. And that's, that's something that we were talking about earlier was that, uh, the world is going in a direction where everything is being tracked now. Yeah. Like any data that you can think about, there'll be a record of it somewhere. Yeah. Whether it's legally collected or illegally collected. Yeah. And uh, the, the number of people that, that, that don't, and I, I'm willingly putting in information like literal GPS coordinates of where I am for about two and a half hours every week. I'm giving another company completely unrelated to the first one everything I'm eating and they know when I'm logging it, which is pretty good idea about when I'm eating it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm telling them for breakfast, I had this for lunch. I had this. And then I've got another one that I'm telling when I'm eating and when I'm sleeping. All right. So just that. And, and that's data that I'm willingly typing in. What I think would blow most people's minds if, it, if people that, that have no understanding of this or, or claim they're not a computer person or they don't, 
wave my hand around a lot. I'm very conscious of that. Um, <laughs> I'm <laughs> cameras do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the, the people that claim they're not um, people that, that they claim they're not computer people, people that claim that they aren't really into technology. I don't know that they understand that it's not just the, the stuff that you explicitly give to these companies, but the amount that they can learn implicitly, mm -hmm. like the amount that Facebook knows about you. Um, I know that that's a, a very cliche thing to say, but it is when they have 1.5 billion daily active users, people that are logging onto their site every day, that's such a massive chunk of humanity. It's very easy to sort of pattern match. And when you have the money and the resource and the talent available that they do and that they can attract, you can start to go down paths of working out, looking for patterns, um, and you can be working on so many things concurrently, like they can use it to predict things. And there are these, these news stories about um, Facebook predicts that you're gay before you know, or before you've come out to your family. Um, Facebook knows that you're pregnant before you know, because they've correlated data on other people that are your age and in your same sort of, you know, it's not just what they know about you either. It's how they map it um, between you and all of the people that you know. Like Facebook has it just in its core, the core of what it does is connects people together. So if nothing else, they know who all your friends are and they know who you are connected to, you know, as a primary contact, as a secondary contact. It's just incredible the amount of data. And it, you can, as soon as you start to look into it and start to understand how this th stuff works, you can start to understand how to play the system a bit and how to start to manipulate um, those things. And that's, that's a big pink, uh, big part about uh, what marketing is at the moment and what um, product thinking is as well is again, like product design nowadays, you know, you can be talking about designing a phone or designing the app that goes on the phone. Like it's quite a broad spectrum of stuff. When you're designing an app, it's very easy to make assumptions about people, how, about how people are going to use stuff. Um, and that's why, that's why gathering data is important. I think like, yeah. And when, when you talk about it like that, it's, uh, you, you really start to understand that it's these these companies that we use to log our data with, yeah. log our statuses with, log our pictures with. Uh, they're, they're, they're super brains, you know, and like you say, they're just constantly collecting data and predicting things. And they're, you know, they're putting themselves in position where they, you know, selling this information yeah. or selling access to this information indirectly so companies can find what they need to find to be able to make a profit you know become successful so and that's something that you've been working on um since you know well since uh, as long as i've known you really and that that was one of the things that got me interested in data and it it wasn't until recently where I started really taking that forward a step and really trying to understand how the data works and how you can manipulate the data, not in a, um, not in a bad way, in a negative way, but manipulate it, um, for, you know, for growth. Yeah. You know, and, um, I remember when, 
back in the day when we used to work together, you used to tell me about all of the um, the AdWord campaigns. You used to do all of the, uh, you used to have the meetings with the the Google advisors and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And yeah, yeah. so, tell me a little bit about how um, how you started really getting your teeth into like learning about um, collecting data for the purposes of like marketing and stuff like that, and and how that's evolved until basically like today. Yeah. Um, it first started, I think. So I, I my training, um, I, when I went to university was in television production, right? So I learned how to edit and film and, and do all the nice stuff that you've got some nice equipment for very impressed with the microphone. And stuff. <laughs> um, so it, it had nothing to do with what I'm working in now, really. Um, so, but using those skills, I, I started working at a talent agency, um, and I worked on digital campaigns for sort of celebrities and stuff that you see on TV, sports stars, mu- musicians, that sort of thing. And um, quite because again, because it was a very small team and a, and a, a, a very interesting department for the company, um, I was given the keys to a lot of websites and the social sort of social accounts of people that you'd see on the TV and hear on the radio. And um, what that meant was I was able to track much broader reach than perhaps you would be able to get on your website. You know, when I was working on the Harry Bikers, for example, um, in one month, uh, they they hit a million people come to the website, say, yeah, and they hit a million people. Uh, we use that as an example. And then, but that in comparison to the rest of the year, I think the rest of the year, it was like 5 million people had come to their website. And this is years and years ago. It's probably much higher than that now. Um, but that, that 1 million, that was a spike. And what I then did was, and this was the, the first, the very first thing that got me into it was like, okay, why is that spiked? And what I worked out was, uh, they did this TV show, this diet TV show was the first one they'd ever done. Um, completely different to their normal thing. Normally it's sort of half travel, half cooking and they travel the world. They go to Thailand and then they do their take on Thai food, cooking in the street sort of sort of thing this diet show was about them they were quite vulnerable it was about them being overweight and that they needed to lose some weight they both were on diet pills um heart pills from the doctor and stuff and they wanted to lose some weight because it was completely different it got a much higher viewer count than any of their previous shows um and they put a book out and that book had also gone out and we put that out on the website and it had gone down very very well um and so that kind of sparked it for me. And I, I, I sort of looked at that and I said, we should do something about this. There's obviously a spark of an idea there. And obviously you can do a follow-up TV show. You can do a follow-up um, book. Um, but what I ended up working on and, and sort of being the project manager for was the Harry Biker's Diet Club. Um, was given the keys six weeks before we were going live. Um, six weeks later, I had a message uh, we we were there's a website called Thunderclap which allows you it's a bit like crowdfunding but using social reach so you can donate your Twitter followers instead of money um, and what you do is you schedule a message and you say this is the message I'm putting out um, please donate your Twitter followers to me and then uh, you it will go out on your network at the same time as if it's come from you um, really useful it's kind of new at the time it was 2012 ish when we did this and. Um, we were the number one trending campaign on uh, Thunderclap for pretty much the whole six weeks <laughs> from the announcement that we were doing it right the way through to launching. Um, we originally asked 500 people, which I think was the maximum that you could 
ask for at the time and we ended up getting like two and a half or two 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 thousand seven hundred people to pledge their following which meant our message on the first day went out to a million people um or over a million people which i think is still one of the biggest campaigns that has happened on that platform not really down to me i i, I suggested that we do it but obviously there's a lot of play there they've already got a fairly big reach it's not something that you can do necessarily at a grassroots level um but the concept was was something that i've used ever since which was if you can control that launch message um and that, and that might be that might not be a big grand launching of a big website like that it might be a product it might be a new video but understanding that you need to bring people to it and quickly and there's quite a decay that comes off the back of it i think i think and don't quote me on this even though it's recorded and being put on the internet where <laughs> it will live forever um i think we went to the third biggest diet club in the uk behind slimming world and weight watchers six weeks after launch um so that was the thing that got me into all of this in a big way i'd been dabbling in it i'd been advising on you know how to use twitter to talk about a cat food brand for some people like a there was a there was a lot of sort of dipping your toe into the water um but that was the first big thing that i ended up working on um i went to work in e-commerce for a bit i went to uh work for a, a local agency this was where i was i was commuting again this doing a very similar commute to what i'm doing now about two and a half hours each way um and was getting to the end of commuting for the job i was doing um and ended up working at a place in rye this was just when we met um and ended up working in an e-commerce agency i worked for the middletons um, I ran their website, um, Kate's mum and dad. Um, they have a party business and, and one of they were one of my clients and I, I sort of helped to run their e-commerce business. Um, I did that for about seven months before I realised that I needed to be back in the city again. Um, Seaside Life is great and, and like agencies, small agencies and stuff are, are, are fun to work for. But if you want to work in digital and you want to be pushing boundaries, like the only real place that you can do that in the UK where we are it's London. So went back up to London um, and every position I've had sort of since then, um, I've been able to deploy those, those same sort of skills. Nice. So, um, so like now looking at uh, the way that you were uh, using like the data and how yeah. to kind of like pick up, um, like gain momentum and interest and, you know, essentially getting pe people to take action. Uh, how, how do you think, um, that's evolved now? Like what, what, what do you think is probably like a, a big thing at the moment, which is, uh, you know, cause there's so many different, uh, avenues you can take, you, you know, you've got AdWords, you've got, uh, Facebook campaigns, you've got, um, you know, there's, there's a million and one different things you can do. Like, yeah. Where, where do you find that you're spending most of your time at the moment? Um, I, I mean, the main thing that I'm focusing on, because we have our own app and it's a closed system and it goes out as part of this, you know, and all they can do is use our own app. Um, very excitingly getting stuck into the analytics on that. Um, and what I'm currently doing is mapping when a guest stays in a property for seven days, what do they do on the day one? What do they end up doing on day two? What do they do on day three? They can search the web on it. They can look at recommendations on a map. They can they can do quite a lot of things. They can order pizza, Papa John's, we just rolled out across the UK. Um, and so, so looking at that and trying to map those journeys is really interesting because 
um, it will reveal what people, the psychology of what people do during their stay. Um, so that's really exciting. Obviously, I also uh, look after our sales website. Um, so I'm getting really stuck into that and that's WordPress. And that's something that I've used WordPress a lot um, in previous roles, but not really sort of selling something. Um, every other website that I've ever sort of been part of, apart from the Diet Club, that was the only difference and that wasn't WordPress. But um, it's, it's always been about a brand. It's not necessarily about having an online shop. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so, so WordPress has been an interesting thing to sort of like plug different bits into it, put in Google Analytics, um, put in AdWords, put in Facebook's Pixel, put in Twitter, um, and, and, and sort of plug these tools in to gather that data. Um, but really, we haven't done a lot with marketing. We haven't needed to push the button on it. It's been a very word of mouth kind of company, um, which is the exciting bit because we are tracking enough to understand what to do when we need to. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're not doing is frivolously burning money, trying to reach people. Like lucky, we have a good, well, it's not lucky, it's hard work, but it's it's good timing that we found a product like this and that we've moved quickly and, and been the people to put it out there and are continuing to improve our service. Um, but it's still important. doesn't matter how good your product is. It's still important, I think, to have that sort of backup um, so that when we want to push the button, if we have a new product, a uh, new feature out that we want to shout about because it's we think it's going to solve a lot of problems for people that haven't bought the tablet yet, we have the data. We've captured them as they've come into the website. You know where we've to shout. Them. Um, <laughs> exactly. And we can press a button, spend some money yeah. and reach those people again. Because that's what it's about, right? It's about impressions. Like the whole point of scheduling that thing for the hairy bikers and getting it in, into a million people's faces is that they may only see it that one time, but they may sort of get curious about it. And then if they then come back again, they've seen it again. And it's like, it's, it's, it's about building equity with those people, um, brand equity. And then when they get to the point where they're thinking about buying something, then you've got about, you've got to have the things in place to sort of capture them. Um, so I've kind of, it, it, this, it's the same rules that have applied since doing the diet club and since yeah. working on the Facebook campaign and stuff right the way through to, I've worked for an app in between, um, like a travel guide app and, uh, doing a lot of the same stuff there, looking at data, working out what people are doing, trying to change things around or change our approach to make them behave in different ways. Um, to getting into this where I'm sort of, I'm overseeing the actual product that people are using to support and hearing all the feedback from people anecdotal stuff as well um this 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 is a big thing about data that i want to get clear it's like it doesn't have to be computers it doesn't have to be huge swathes of contact details you don't have to know every single little thing you've just got to learn to track the right stuff and so taking it back to to running and my health and and, and eating um the reason that I've been tracking that is it's only done in quite a rudimentary way. As I say, I'm not doing anything with the day. I'm not cross analyzing it or anything like that. I'm looking at how many calories did I eat yesterday? Okay. Put down the cake. Fatso. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not, I'm not spending ages trawling yeah. over spreadsheets with it. Yeah. I'm not down it. I could, <laughs> I want to. Um, but as I said to you, a big part of sort of the whole point of doing the running and stuff about refocusing is instead of spending that time f- f- flittering away, 
um, in some spreadsheet analyzing what I ate three weeks ago. Like, just use it to react now. Um, look at a shorter time period. Look at the key metrics. Like, have I run 15 miles this week? No. Okay, why not? Can I add that into this week? Can I compensate for that? You know, what can I do to turn that situation around and react quickly? Um, that's where you start to win with it, you know, because people can get very distracted with tracking everything, measuring everything, having a spreadsheet that captures every little detail. Mm. Um, I've met many people like that. I've worked with people like that that are tracking everything to the nth degree, but what they haven't got is that global awareness that I was talking about earlier where you can sort of say, okay, but this isn't, this isn't important right now. Actually, the thing I need to do is yeah. just tweak here and that will then unlock and then I can come back and look at the data. But it's it's very complex. You know, like it, it's, it's difficult to know where to start with this stuff because as I said, like you kind of want to have the things in place. Like I'm capturing that data so that when I want to look at it, it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to, to take it back to your question, <laughs> to take it back to the question you asked, um, there's a lot of things that I've plugged in. There's not a lot of stuff that I'm looking at daily um, to work out what's going on. I'm not, I'm not looking at any one or two products in particular. Um, what I have done, what I did quite early on when I started at this company was start to put these things in place so that when they mattered, I had data before I needed it. Um, we, we've discussed this before, like when someone comes to you and they want a video made, um, quite often they just want a video because they think I want a video on the front page of my website. Um, what they don't actually have as part of that is any sort of objective for, you know, what that video should be doing for them um, and, and and how they can use that video to, I don't know, transform their business in some way. Um, how, tell me about that. Tell me about that. Like, like, yeah, I mean, uh, I've worked with, uh, loads of different people from different backgrounds, you know, different types of businesses, uh, some small businesses, some corporate businesses. And, um, you know, it's been a learning process for me at the same time. And now I'm starting to see that, um, different people have got different intentions yeah. behind, uh, the videos that they want made. Yeah. Uh, some people have already got, uh, you know, a large database of people yeah. uh, who they can target it towards. Yes. Uh, some people um, haven't really got a database outside of uh, their current um, customers. So it's, it's really trying to understand and educate, uh, you know, and pass on the knowledge that I've got. Um, but the trouble is, is that uh, it, it takes investment. Yeah, and that's that's the one of the stumbling blocks that I come across because, uh, especially with the smaller businesses, um, you know, once you've paid X amount for a video, to pay another X amount on top uh, to do something with the video um, is difficult. And yeah, you 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 can do it yourself, but the trouble is that what you've been saying is that you need to know what you're looking for. You yeah, know, you need you need to know what you're looking at to like push this media in different directions yeah. so that you make a return on it. You, you, you need to set an accountable goal mm. on it. You know, it's, it's, it's actually 
Hollywood does this, right? The reason that Hollywood films are bigger than British films is that they don't spend all the money on making the film. They spend a portion of the budget on making the film and the rest of it on marketing. And that's the reason why you see it. Um, and that same principle is, is, is what, you know, those people need to apply. They, that, that's how they need to look at it is they need to take a budget and say, I'm not, this isn't the budget for the video. This is the budget for the message. Um, the video is part of the message, but the video needs to give me some return on return on investment. How do I work out what that return should be? Well, I need to set some accountable goal, taking it back to the half marathon, like reverse engineering it saying 10 miles the week before eight miles before that five miles before that like you need to sort of set milestones that you know you can hit um and what a lot of people don't understand is is how to get there um and it is just a case of taking it step by step and working out you know okay i've got someone to think about the product because they've seen a video now i need to bring them to my website and then from the website, do I get their email or am I asking them to sign up? Um, once I've got that, how do I then convert them into a lead that will purchase something from me mm. or purchase a quantity of stuff from me? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing. It's, um, it, you know, back in the day, if you wanted to promote something, the first thing you would do is uh, put it in the local paper. Yeah. Uh, maybe if you had the sort of budget, you put it on the radio. Yeah magazines you know all that type of stuff you know printed media most of the time yeah and that was the done thing you know yellow pages would be calling you up every day to put an ad in the yellow pages and this and that and obviously it's all different now but now uh the go-to is facebook yeah you know everyone's like okay cool well I'll, I'll i'll boost my post or i'll put 20 quid 30 quid 40 quid behind this video and you know figure out a target audience that would work uh that would fit my product or whatever but the trouble is is that it's yeah it's all good it's going to get in front of people's eyes but you know it's it takes more than that you know it takes it takes more it takes like a depending on what your product is you know because some products are really very niche yep. some products are very universal and with the universal stuff, you could have a, a broader uh, audience and it would it would work. But with the more niche stuff, it takes time for those people to 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 become interested in what you do. Yep. Then it takes time for the interest to turn into um, a, a craving of some sort. And then it takes time for the craving, uh, to turn into right, I'm going to put my hand in my pocket and commit. And at each stage, uh, it really is. There's a different song you got to sing at every stage, you know. And I was, it's funny. It's funny. It's literally funny you say that because I we used to do this when I was in a band. You know, we used to we used to target people to invite down because we knew that they wrote for local blogs. Um, I actually <laughs> went one step further and created. Uh, do you remember when things was on MySpace, right? And 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 you didn't you didn't pay to get reach like at all. There was no way to boost a post on MySpace. It was just about you know how many people follow your mm. band page or whatever it is. Um, we used to do it. We used to invite people down, but but everything was a calculated. It, it may not have been a particularly calculated decision because we were sort of fifteen, sixteen, um, but. 
the way that I calculate how much something is worth now um, is by thinking about the the time it would take as money. Like money is just time, right? Money buys you time. Um, and so to, if, if, if I was thinking about like right right now, we've got, uh, we, we had an intern recently. Um, we're looking for another intern. I'm, I'm working with a couple of other people at the moment um, and, and helping them with to, to know what to say to their interns. Um, and it's like, how do you actually practically start to move the needle um, on like Instagram, for example? Well, there's stuff that you can pay people to do, right? That is the inauthentic stuff where it's like, you know, go and like a load of people's posts, post a photo every day. Like, here's the photos. If you've got a bank of that stuff that you can put out, that's great. And it's easy to get someone else to do that. You know, you see top bloggers that would do a day's shoot and then they'll make that last a week by spreading it out and having it. It's all DSLR camera um, like, like photos, really beautiful, crisp, really styled and, and scheduled. That you can pay someone to do. The stuff that's more valuable to you is the direct engagement um, that you will do yourself. And sometimes like the, the, the whole data conversation that we've been having earlier, um, it's not necessarily, what I'm trying to say is it's not necessarily about capturing it and analyzing it at the time, uh, sorry, it's not about cap capturing it and analyzing it later. It's about getting stuck in um, early on, feeling something out um, and working out, okay, what do I need to do? Like what are the minimum, what's the minimal effective dose that I can do within this one thing um, that will have the biggest effect? And how do I scale that? How do I start to automate that process? How can I build things in that will make this process more efficient to a point where I can pay someone else to do it. And then you just continue to do that. You just continue to try out something new, work out how to make it work, pay someone to do it. Um, yeah, and that's it. It's, uh, and, and, and that strategy works in pretty much any business that you want to scale up. You know, and uh, it was the same at the bar. It was like, I started off when I first opened the place, uh, I was doing everything. Yeah, you know, I was I had I was serving drinks. You know, uh, the few drinks that I was serving when I first opened up, I had a paintbrush in one hand. Yes, yeah. And it was a case of like, you know, do this, do that, do this, do that. And then once I hit a cap of like, all oh, right, I actually need another pair of hands, then brought somebody else in. Right. Then I could go to the next thing because that system was established. Yeah. And then once there was a new cap reached, you know, a new goal was reached. Uh, I needed to start getting on with something else. The system was ready. And then you bring somebody else in and it got to a point where there was like at peak times, there was uh, 20 plus people working yeah, yeah. in the building, you know, and, and that went from uh, three people to 20. Right. You know, yeah. so, and that was exactly the same process. It was like build a system that works. Yeah. Look at what's going on. Look, figure out what's required put it in place, solidify it, then teach someone else how to do it. Right. And then you just keep moving, moving. And it just really depends how much energy, how much time and how much effort you want to put into it. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, like now being on the flip side of it, away from like the so-called manual side of it, it's exactly the same process, but there's just different tools and different yeah, understandings yes. yeah, exactly. that you exactly. need to, to, to be able to put it off. And now, instead of paying someone to do it, you just pay some money to boost the post. 
Yeah. Right? And that and that because you've put the groundwork in does the rest of the job for you. It's mm. it's like it's as if um you have you, know, you that, that's how you deploy the cash, right? As mm-hmm. opposed to hiring in people now, you don't need to do that as much. Yeah, that's it. And you know, if I need um, bits and bobs done, uh, then there's there's quite a few services online where you can outsource the work across the globe. Uh, you know, one day I might be working with someone in Pakistan. Next day I might be working with someone from Chicago. See how do you, you know? how do you feel about that though? Because like this this is a big thing. Because when when I talk about the commute with people, when I say that I'm working, you know a normal week and then adding 25 hours on in travel um people go oh you're crazy why don't you just work from home all the time and i do and like today i've worked from home is the reason i can be here but what what they're actually questioning there is like why are you even bothering going in like you can just do it all from your computer and Mm -hmm. i still i do still feel like when you're working with other people there is definitely um benefit in being face to face Mm-hmm. It has its drawbacks as well, but overall, I think it's a positive thing. Like being face on with people and having a relationship there, um, like that's the reason that I go in. It's the bo- it's the reason I bother getting on the train in the first place. Because if yeah. I could do it all from home, believe me, I would. Yeah, you know, if I didn't have to leave the beds, like that little voice. Hey, why don't you just pick up your laptop? Just call in sick, spend the day in bed, work like that. Like yeah. you don't need to, yeah. you know. I don't, I don't need to get dressed to do my job. I can just do it. If I, I could, if, if I didn't have to like sit in Photoshop and sketch and and some of these design things and video editing stuff, I could probably do most of my job from my phone. Like most of it, um, most of the systems and stuff that we use have a mobile app that I could. Sure. Do. I'm sure I could operate a yeah. lot of what I do from the phone. It'd be a bit of a headache. But yeah, yeah, it's doable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but if you know if if it's that or get out of bed, then yeah. I, I could probably get by. I mean, 100. percent I know what you're saying about uh, the satisfaction and the the rewards that come with working face to face with people yeah. and and being around other people. Now. Uh, I my time is probably more um, solo heavy, where I'll be alone. Um, but yeah, the the times where I am around other people, uh, I really feel the difference because obviously when I'm out filming and when I'm out just doing other bits that I need to be meeting people and doing things like that, uh, there's there's huge satisfaction in that, like we discussed earlier. Uh, but on not on the actual the buzz of uh, the energy transfer and stuff like that it's actually being out and about and, and exploring yep and and that's the key thing it's something that i started playing about with last week uh because at the moment <clears throat> i've got a new content schedule okay. being rolled out and it's going to be very is that, is that this no 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 that's the in the secret log okay. <laughs> <laughs> no but the uh I've done an experiment uh, because I'm going to be uh, producing a lot of content for some clients at the moment. And uh, it's trying to devise a system and actually putting it into play uh, for myself uh, so I can roll it out for other people. And because I haven't really had to put too much content together uh, to get to where I am now, but the goals I've set for myself now I need to be putting a lot of content together. Right, okay. okay. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, I, I got in contact with my sister. We arranged uh, two hours to go out last week and to take some photos and uh, just make some content. Experiment and come back 
with probably in the region of about 300 photos um, to try and figure out which direction to take certain platforms and try and figure out how the video could be incorporated with that because especially if if it's my content, I need someone who knows how to use a camera properly. Yeah, yeah. You know, point and shoot is quite easy, but when you want to go a little bit deeper than that, you need to have some skills. So uh, I kind of figured out, wow, now this this is uh, it was exciting because it was a, like a revelation that just being out for a certain period of time producing something new experiencing something new rather than it's so easy just to get up get on the computer and just go for it and you get sucked in so much sometimes where it's like okay because my training regime is in the evenings you know my my group sessions are in the evenings that voice has crept up many times saying you know just carry on you're being productive like just carry you don't need to get up you don't need to go and like get beaten up by 15 other blokes um and then it's like hang on a minute hang on a minute hang on a minute i know this is a bluff so uh get suck yourself away from it get into training come back and be like oh my god i couldn't even imagine not going training because the way that i feel now and uh yeah pretty much it's uh, going back to like working alongside and being out and exploring, you know, because the commute, yeah, the commute might sound very mundane, but a commute in one person's eyes could be an, a, a, an adventure in another person's eyes mm-hmm. because you don't know what's going to happen between A and B. Quite you know, a lot. <laughs> point A and point B. And, and not every day is the same. Quite a lot of stories. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Quite a lot of stories. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, you know, stuff you see on trains, man. I tell you. (laughs) Oh, mate! Like you know, I've I've taken a couple of journeys recently, and uh, they've been eventful. You know, the people you meet. uh, You know, obviously, if it's mindset, you could sit there and just fucking be rude, but it's and uh, yeah, really shut off to the rest of the world. But then, if you open up a little bit, then other people start opening up, and then before you know it, you're having a laugh and a joke. And you've learned something that you didn't know about. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you've like made. But, but that's but yeah. But you're a people person, and I, and I like to think I am too, right? I, I, my mum has always said this about me. <laughs> I can talk to anybody, right? And 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 when I was seven, eight, nine years old, um, my nan and granddad had a shop in Eastbourne that used to sell cookware, and I used to be on the tills at the weekends, and my nan would be behind me and. Um, checking that I was doing it correctly, but I was pretty good. You know, it's it basically just a calculator. So I never had to know how to do the maths. I just know, had to know how to type it in and get the results back. And people used to love it. People used to come in and buy stuff from me. And I would always be like, oh, do you want to buy a sponge for 50p extra or whatever? And like do the other, such good training. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, it's experiences like that, um, like getting the train every day and meeting people. And, and I'm the sort of person that will get involved if there's stuff kicking off on the train as well. Like I try and shut down those situations, <laughs> much to my detriment. Um, uh, I've called the police way too many times. Um, I think I'm on some list, um, <laughs> some Kino list, some have a go hero list. Um, but yeah, but, but actually doing work like, you know, at a bar, like, like how we met, you know, I, I came to work for you. Um, that's how the, the big John, name Big came job. about um <laughs> we'll get, get into that in just a sec but um doing that kind of work is grounding and and it gives you a really good idea of two things one how people react to certain situations and two how to read a situation um and i think like it's really obvious it's really clear to me 
when I meet people in a work environment that have never done that kind of job. They've never had to have that sort of experience. Um, I always get on much better with the people that have, the people that have put in the time, put in the hustle um, and let things flow. Million percent, man. And it's, uh, it's, it's about surrounding yourself with like-minded people, people who... Absolutely. You know, people who who want to hustle, and I'm not just talking about making money, but just hustling, man, hustling life, and just like the, making the, the most the of in it. In it for the game, yeah, and just like, like trying to improve. The reason you know? I run now is not because I got a race to finish; it's because I like the feeling, I like the burn, I like the pain, I like the idea that I'm doing something that is. It feels detrimental at the time, but afterwards you feel fucking great, evolved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, no man, that's a, that's that's a good that's a good ending point, I reckon, yeah, I because reckon. it kind of summarises like, the whole conversation, really. And um, but no man, thanks for taking the time to come up, and it's been good to catch up. Thank and you for having me. We'll probably spend a little bit more time nattering about you know things that we haven't got time for on the microphone, Absolutely. as we usually do. <laughs> but uh, but no man, it's been wicked. Um, it's good. It was really good to get some insights into like how you think, like how you operate. Um, how you're evolving not only as a person but as uh you know as a as a business-minded person as well and um I'm, I, I think like the most important thing out of the whole conversation is i'm still learning everything i'm doing is 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 still learning i'm not at all yeah, claiming to be we're all learning mate exactly you know, it exactly. never stops man it's, it's, it's doesn't matter where you're at like you can still learn more about what you're doing be humble yeah <laughs> nah for real man but nah much respect you, you just pull out Kendrick Kendrick all day baby even Kobe was singing it the other day in the car he was like oh, was, was be humble and I was like boy let me tell you what humble, humble is <laughs> amazing amazing oh quality oh well yeah thanks for having me on. it's all good man uh, till next time till the next time I hope you enjoyed today's episode, guys. If you did, please leave a solid five-star review on iTunes. You know how it is. We've got to get those reviews up so more people can discover us. And, you know, we can help them move forward in their personal goals and missions every day. Uh, if you leave a review, I'll give you a personal shout-out on the next episode. So make sure you visit iTunes and place your review now. Thanks a lot for listening. I'll catch you on the next episode.